February 18th, 2020. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Hope everybody had a, a nice weekend. Uh, we are on to week three of Milo with uh, with me every day. Now being, I mean, Stephanie just goes to work for er, the day. So throughout the day, he's, he's hanging with me. So life life is definitely changed in, in the last few weeks. And most days now we get up and we will take her to work. If she has to go in super early, then I'm going to sleep in a little bit more. But as long as uh, as long as he will uh, allow. And then we come down to my parents so he gets to hang out with grandma and then Nanu when he gets home from, from work. And so she can help me out when I have to record or do interviews or um, – do any kind of work myself so uh yeah all the parent cliches now um all the stereotypes and everything yep they're all they're all real they're all uh they're all happening now tired trying to get sleep here and there um singing the songs that are on uh the toys um poop Every, something's wet always. Is it either poop, pee, or spit up? Could could be combinations of any of those three. So uh, <laughs> we're we're doing great though. We are. This is uh, actually today is uh, now fourteen weeks. So, man, time is flying and, and having fun. Um, just a, another side note too is we're driving over here this morning. You know, like, I'm driving now a lot more safe, sane with a, a child. You know, I, I'm nervous. I go a little slower than I've, I have before. Just not not because of me, but just in general. Don't be the weaver in and outer, right? Are you one of those people? I'm not talking about Dave Weaver. I'm talking about don't be the weaving in and out, like, tailgating riding up on people and then you go to the right and then you're up and then you're back over to the like you know there are like two percent there's like a two percent chance that you have to be somewhere to where you're doing that and then i'm okay then that's fine there's some emergency and you're weaving in and out okay cool but if it's just like in the morning and you're trying to get in and around like come on come on you're better than that don't do it don't do it don't be weaving in and out you can make some moves, right? You get stuck in a bad lane, you're moving, you're going to get over, you're going to get back over, whatever, you know. But you know what I'm talking about when you're obviously bump, 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 riding, riding, fast, fast, slide up, bump, 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 in and out, just, just cutting people, not usually usually using the blinker when you're doing that. Just get, no, no, thank you. No, thank you. Okay, over the weekend, we saw a really fun renewal of the NBA All-Star Game. And the NBA All-Star Game, most All-Star Games are really big publicity kind of things, right? You get a chance to see everybody out there, and it's not competitive. And the NBA All-Star Game has gotten really bad over the last few years to where nobody really cared. Nobody really played defense. It was just come out, hook up a three, some slam dunks. Just um, It wasn't fun, really fun to watch even. This game was excellent. The final score was Team LeBron 157, Team Giannis 155. Now, 
the only thing that worried me as a fan, as a Laker fan, you know, and as a fan of of all these guys, but you know, Anthony Davis and LeBron. When things started to pick up late in the game and they they got really intense in that fourth quarter, I got really nervous <laughs> that somebody was going to get hurt. And every time LeBron or Anthony Davis had the ball, I'm like, oh no, please, please, no, no, roll an ankle, the knee injury, anything like that. That would just be, that would be a bad way to go in an All Star game, you know, you know. And gladly, uh, it seems like everybody came out of the came came out of the game fine. But it was fun. I mean, it got tense. It honestly felt like a Game 7 of the playoffs. You got to see... And what made it even crazier is that all 10 guys on the court were you know, the absolute best or like the top-tier level of player. So, you know, you know, every team, even the championship teams, has like one weak link or two or like a spot or two. You You don't have a roster... Like this, like we saw out there, which that was what was kind of really fun about this game too. We got to see what things were like come closing time with LeBron, AD, Kawhi, and then CP3 and Harden on one side, and then on the other side you had Giannis, Lowry out there taking charges. Kemba Walker was good early, but then really bad down the stretch. Siakam was kind of the guy they they went to. They were trying to get Siakam onto Harden and Embiid. They had out there. I, this was just a lot of fun, and the what was the the change to the format was the in the fourth quarter they added twenty four points to the leading team to get to one hundred and fifty uh, to get to one fifty seven, and that was the target score. So it basically became after the first three quarters, um, which would reset, but they would keep the overall score. It became okay. 157 is the target. Team Giannis was up. That's how they they added 24 points to Team Giannis's total. That's why they got that number of 157, and then that became the target score. It's called the Elam ending. There's no clock, no time. It's just a shot clock. So it was like you're playing, you know, on the streets, pickup at the park. We got. A bunch of money donated to local charities, which was really cool. And then just like all the little storylines too, when these players started getting tight, LeBron versus Giannis stuff with you know Giannis blocking LeBron. LeBron got a steal. Giannis was getting the better of LeBron though most times down the court. Kawhi so good early in the game, just unbelievable. He was eight for fourteen from three point line. He scored thirty points, and you know it shows he's the best. He is the best player when he's playing, when he's healthy, especially in a situation where I need a bucket down the down the stretch. Who am I going to go to? Kawhi right now with the improvement to his three-point game and then his mid-range game, which just is unbelievably automatic, and how good he's improved his free throws. He is the one guy, I think, right now who you'd want the most to get, it, to get you a bucket. And, you know, CP3... Just a rejuvenated CP3. He hit an alley oop, and not not a pat, not one that he assisted on, one that he dunked on. This was the first alley oop dunk of his entire career. He's assisted on 683 of them. CP3 and his uh, plant based diet, turning back the hands of time. Uh, there were Kobe tributes all over the place. 
it was uh you know emotional as it's been the last few weeks and it they've done the NBA has done a, an unbelievable job um, doing a lot of things to to show their respect to Kobe and his family and and to the victims of that helicopter crash yeah this I mean there were offensive fouls late ugly shots. Um, bad calls by the refs, and then the players arguing the calls, they started to care down the stretch. It was good. And you know what? The the Saturday part of the All-Star weekend has become the last you know few years. I haven't really liked it, got, enjoyed it as much. But, you know, I, I do like the three-point contest now, especially with, with um, how... Much of a focus the three-point game has become in, in the modern-day NBA. Buddy Heald won the three-point contest, with it hitting the winner on the last shot. Slam dunk contest with a ton of controversy. Aaron Gordon should have won. Uh, Jones Jr. won for Miami, and they both were great, but Aaron Gordon should have won, and or at the very least, they should have shared... And there was some weird stuff about the scoring. They were trying to tie it, but then there was some controversy, which is always at least good that people are talking about it. I thought it was a pretty fun... I thought, you know, it was absurd that he didn't win, first of all. But overall, it was a fun Saturday and then he, uh, Saturday into Sunday. And all of the buzz about the All-Star game on Sunday was positive. It seemed like everybody enjoyed how they just turn the heat up, and we got to see what things were like when the absolute best of the best are out there. Who becomes the alpha? Who's leading the way? We it really seemed like, like you know, like Giannis would take over on defense, and but then they weren't going to Giannis offensively, which was weird down the stretch. You know, they weren't even giving him a look, and then you know LeBron was kind of orchestrating things, and and Anthony Davis was really good on defense. Harden didn't really look great. CP3 I I thought was, was like super impressive. Kawhi stood out also. It was just. It was a blast. It was the most fun I've had watching an All-Star game in a really, really long time. Uh, so just some numbers from that that All-Star game. Uh, LeBron had 23.6 assists, 5 rebounds, a couple of blocks, and a steal. But he did have 6 turnovers. Le- uh, Kawhi, I mentioned, was 8 for 14 from 3. He had uh, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, and a couple steals. He had 30 points. And he was your MVP. AD, Anthony Davis had 20 points, 9 rebounds, and assists, 3 steals, and 3 blocks. So he had a, a solid game. And then he hit the game-winning free throws. It, they were down... They were... Uh, the LeBron team needed just one point in order to win. And it was down to 150... The score was 156-155, so it was next score wins... Next bucket wins. Anthony Davis got fouled on the inside. He went to go shoot two free throws. He missed the first free throw, and he's an excellent free throw shooter. And then he drained the second one, so he hit the game winner uh, there for Team LeBron. Ben Simmons had 17 points, uh, six rebounds, five assists, a couple steals, and a block. And then CP3, who played 25 minutes, hit 23 points. He had six assists. He had a couple rebounds. He played really, really well. Uh, He was seven for 11 from three. CP3 And then over on team Giannis uh, Giannis had 25 points and 11 rebounds 4 assists, 3 blocks and a steal And 
Kemba scored 23 points, but he, he struggled really late. He did hit five three-pointers. Embiid had 22 points, 10 rebounds. They all played about 30 minutes. Embiid played 29, yeah, just under 30 minutes. Giannis played just over 30 minutes. Uh, Lowry, who had 13 points, 8 assists, 5 rebounds, 3 steals. He was in the game late. He took some charges. He was actually really good. Um and came up with some big possessions for Team Giannis, and Rudy Gobert had a solid game with his 21 and 11 and a couple assists and a block. So, yeah, fun, fun All-Star game for uh, for 2020. Before we get on over to talk some uh, baseball, and talk a little Sarah Candle, Sarah Candle Company, C-E-R-A Candle Company, website Sarah Candle, C-E-R-A Candles.com. Their goal to create a candle 100% natural, clean burning, and of the highest quality that everyone can enjoy. Here's why Sarah candles are the best. All natural soy wax, free from toxins, found in paraffin wax, which is used by other leading brands. The all natural soy wax actually will hold a scent better and burn up to 50% longer than traditional paraffin wax candle. 100% lead-free, cotton wicks, completely natural scents. They're made in micro batches. They're hand-poured to ensure the highest quality. They are locally sourced and handcrafted in the USA. They have tons of different scents in there. Uh, Check them out. Over 25 different available scents. These are fragrance oils infused with natural essential oils. They have the best ingredients, quality packaging, affordable pricing, longer burning. None of those toxins or those carcinogens or those pollutants that are present in the paraffin wax. This was created by people who love candles. They started out experimenting trying to create the perfect candle and now they've blossomed into Sarah Candle Company. After research they were able to discover the benefits of all natural soy wax. It's a perfect gift for someone. And you use that promo code G-I-N-O. It gets you 10% off your entire purchase. And you can tell whoever you get this for some of that hey these are all natural. These are good. These are healthy. These are, are, are not bad for the environment. You know you can sound all fancy. We have a uh, Lead, lead-free wicks, uh, cotton wicks, soy wax, you know. Sarah Candle Company. SarahCandles.com. Use that promo code G-I-N-O. We've been talking a lot about the Astros lately, and I think rightly so because this this incident with the Astros has become one of the all-time worst things and a real black eye on baseball, and things just continue to get worse. So... Let's go through a little bit of a timeline. Friday, February 14th, Cody Bellinger rips the Astros, and he rips Altuve. Saturday, February 15th, Carlos Correa responds to Cody Bellinger via Ken Rosenthal. We're going to go through that. And then on Sunday, February 16th, Rob Manfred speaks. On Monday, February 17th, Altuve walks into the clubhouse shirtless, exposing a tattoo. There, There's just weird... Just listen to some of those things, right? This is happening in baseball. Um... Not necessarily a sport known for things like this. People speaking out. You know, Rob Manfred is not really coming off very, very good um, in what he said. We'll, we'll get to Rob's comments in a minute. First, let's talk a little Carlos Correa. So, he defends ben- Bellinger. Bellinger was very upset. He said uh, Altuve stole an MVP. The Astros stole the World Series. Correa didn't like that. So here are some of uh, Correa's comments. This is from Ken Rosenthal from The Athletic. Carlos Correa wanted to talk. He had seen what the Dodgers' Cody Bellinger had said on Friday about how the Astros stole the 2017 World Series from the Dodgers and some of the other things I just mentioned. 
Correa had been the most remorseful and eloquent of the Astros players when the team spoke publicly for the first time on Thursday. He was more passionate and forceful on Saturday morning in an interview that later aired on MLB Network. He defended the legitimacy of the Astros' only World Series title and in particular defended the legitimacy of Altuve. This is a partial transcript that Rosenthal wrote of the interview. This is Correa speaking now. Correa, quote, Usually I don't have problems when people talk about 2017 and what happened that year because honestly we were wrong. Everything that happened that year was absolutely wrong. We were obviously, and we obviously show remorse for that because we feel really bad about everything that happened in 2017. The problem I have is when players go out there and they don't know the facts. They're not informed about the situation. They go out there and go on camera and just talk. When Bellinger talks about we cheated for three years, he either doesn't know how to read, is really bad at reading comprehension, or is just not informed at all. The commissioner's report clearly says that all those activities were conducted in 2017. 2018, nothing happened. 2019, nothing happened. It was just talented players playing the game of baseball with passion and winning ball games. That was Correa's comment. What an idiot. What an idiot, first of all. So here's what Rosenthal's response was. In 2018, it did say you guys did things. (laughs) So he just... Already, when saying people need to have the facts straight, he didn't have the facts straight. I mean, how can you have the facts straight when you're all making up lies constantly, right? This is just gets better and better. You know, so so Rosendahl goes on to you know point out that the Astros replay room uh, continued throughout 2013, at least for part of the season, to decode signs using live center field camera and to transmit the signs to the dugout through in-person communication. Correa said, yeah, but it said that about Code Breaker, the algorithm the Astros had to develop uh, to code signs, to decode signs more quickly. That stuff, it came from the top on Code Breaker. So he he's starting to like not even realize what he's saying and kind of get caught into corners and circles. He said, we move forward and Altuve said, or we move forward and he talks about Altuve. And this is Correa again. Jose Altuve cheated Judge out of the MVP. Cody, you don't know the facts. Nobody wants to talk about this, but I'm going to say it. Jose Altuve was the one guy that didn't use the trash can. Okay. A lot of us think that he, and and have seen and for plenty of reason to believe that they were using wires or buzzers. Maybe he didn't use the trash can or like the trash can. Okay. This is what Correa says. The few times the trash can was banged without his consent, he would go inside the clubhouse and inside the dugout to whoever was banging the trash can and get pissed. He would get mad and say, I don't want this. I can't hit like this. Don't do that to me. He played the the game clean. For him to go out there and defame Jose Altuve's name like that doesn't sit right with me. The man plays the game clean. Go out and ask Mike Fires. Did Jose Altuve use a trash can? Did Jose Altuve not cheat, uh, cheat to win the MVP? Fires is going to tell you straight up he didn't use it. He was the one player that didn't use it. Josh Reddick, Tony Kemp, those guys, they didn't want the trash can at all. I thought he said he was the one player that didn't use it. And now he's saying other players didn't use it too. Um, also, let's, for just the benefit of all the doubt for Correa which he doesn't deserve, and Altuve, which he doesn't deserve, say that Altuve didn't do the banging on the trash cans, right? So he wins an MVP, 
when the rest of his team is cheating and all getting on base because they're cheating, driving Altuve in, so getting on base for guys to for guys for Altuve to drive in, driving Altuve in for him to score runs, knocking pitchers out of games, giving him positive at bats immediately when he walks into the box when there are runners on base. Everything was in his favor. You're telling me that you don't think even if he didn't cheat, if everybody else was cheating, he been he benefited from it? You're of course he benefited from it. Of course he benefited from it. How do they not how do you not like stop and think about that? Okay, he didn't cheat, everybody else did, so he's completely clean. Everything he did was clean. Come on. This is just absurd. I, you're, why do you say, if you're going to say stuff like this, you're better off not saying anything? Because nobody, you don't, get, you don't get the benefit of the doubt, unfortunately. Even if all this stuff was true, you don't get it anymore once everybody knows you've cheated and you've admitted to cheating. It's going to take you a long time to earn it back from everyone. You're better off not saying anything. Don't go out there and try to defend yourself and try to legitimize what you did. Because... You won a World Series in a seven-game series. You had to beat a couple really good teams along the way to get there. You could have lost multiple times before winning the World Series. And instead of just kind of putting your tail between your legs, taking the L and moving on, it's like they all have to say, well, well, we cheated, but 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 you know, but like it, we still won, and and it's still ours. Like you can't. Just cut that in half. We cheated. We're done. Move on. You know, we're sorry. Like, you just can't keep saying, but we should, we still, you know, we're good enough. We still won. We deserve that win. It's like, that's, that's so bad. So obviously, you know, and then he starts to go on and talk about the buzzers. Here, this is, this is when it gets crazy. He said, nobody wears buzzers, that's a lie. Earlier in the year, he had a walk-off at Minute Maid Park. He's talking about Altuve. This is Correa. I ripped off his shirt with Tony Kemp. There are pictures of that. There's a videos of that. You can go look at it. I ripped off his shirt. His wife told my wife, why is Carlos ripping off Altuve's shirt? I don't like that. So when he's running from third base to home plate, I, I'm the guy up front. The first one waiting for him, uh, to don't take off my shirt. The second reason, he doesn't want me to talk about it, because he got an unfinished tattoo on his collarbone, and it honestly looked terrible. It was a bad tattoo. He didn't want anyone to see it. He didn't want to show it at all. Now there's a tattoo. I Before it was just he was shy. Remember, he was shy. His wife, he was a shy guy, and his wife was upset that he had taken his shirt off, and she said not to do it anymore. So now there's two reasons. It was the wife, and it was the tattoo. Okay. This is Ken Rosenthal's response. Carlos, do you understand that if the commissioner's report said that there was cheating in 2018 and cheating in 2017, uh, you, do you understand why players would think you maybe cheated again in 2019? Correa, I can understand why players might think this, but the report is there and it, that it says that in 2019, nothing happened. What we did in 2017, yeah, it was an advantage. Yeah, it was wrong. But I'm here to tell you, Jose Altuve earned that MVP. That's his MVP, and no one can take that away from him. <laughs> then, this is this is insane what happens next. He goes into the game and tries to analyze it 
And he says, when they said we cheated him out of a ring, I analyzed the games. And he's like talking about how the situations when he could have cheated. Game two, they're winning the game. Ninth inning, Marwin Gonzalez hits a home run off Kenley. We end up winning that game. The game was on the road. That's one game. Game three, we win 5-3. It's like, if you cheated at any point, you are cheaters. You're not going to, it doesn't matter if that helped you in that specific situation every time. Like, it helped you in a situation the game before, and it's all a domino effect. How, how are you so, so, like, dense to not be able to understand that what everybody else is thinking about you when you're saying this kind of stuff? You just don't say anything. We all make mistakes. We all screw up. Just say you're sorry. Move on. When you try to dance out of it like this, you didn't ever. Now you didn't really say you're sorry. You didn't really apologize. You didn't take any accountability for anything. <laughs> he goes, yeah. Marvin Gonzalez. Marvin hits one with, with a single with men on first and second. That's two runs. Brian McCann hits a single with a man on second. Again, multiple signs. That's three runs. This is all because. In the World Series, they don't use the same multiple signs they do in the regular season. These games are way too important. Those signs can't be decoded. They're hard signs. Rosenthal, so you guys did not have their signs. No, I'm telling you, World Series games are too important to use easy signs. There are Morse codes out there, that signs that nobody can get. And then he keeps going on. Yuli hits the homer. That's four runs. Altuve hits a home run off Maeda with men on first and second. Again, multiple signs. Alex Bregman hits a walk-off single with a pinch. Like, he keeps going on thinking that, like, people are listening, going to go, oh, yeah, you know what? You're right. You're absolutely right. I completely defend everything that you did, Correa. Then he says, when you look at the World Series, they left so... Then he starts to turn it again to just say the Dodgers just suck. That's why we beat them. They left so many guys on base. When you analyze the games, we won fair and square. We earned that championship. I I mean. He says, Bellinger said they lost respect for us, but that's not how life works. We all make mistakes. Because you make a mistake, people are not going to lose respect for you. It's how you confront those mistakes that you make. You've got to admit those mistakes. You've got to accept those mistakes. You've got to learn from them, which they're not. He's not doing, which is so. So that's why he thinks people shouldn't respect someone is if, if that, if they don't do those things, which he's not doing. This is just like, did, who is the PR people for the Astros with this stuff? I mean, it's just worse and worse and worse. Correa, talking about the commissioner, when he talked to us in the investigation, he told us we had immunity in order for all the players to talk and tell the truth about what happened. So with that being said, if someone grants you immunity, then they can't take that back and just punish you after they told you you have immunity. And he talks about how the owner, Crane, Said that it didn't affect the game He said you've got to understand that's He's not a baseball player like we are I know for a fact as a player If I know what's coming I'm going to have an advantage So now he's like really going back the other way Again in like oh yeah we really did have a major advantage in 2017 So just don't say anything about the other years And not having an advantage That's where you just We all know as players That we do have an advantage What people have to say That's all they're right because we were wrong and they can say whatever they want because we were wrong but when players stand up there and they accuse us of stuff that didn't happen in 2019 that doesn't sit well with me I mean and then of course you know you see the comments this is what happens when people are caught being dishonest you lose any semblance of trust these guys don't get it 
Altuve absolutely stole the MVP, regardless of trash cans or not. His teammates and team benefited from them launching into the playoffs in the spotlight. Perfect. You know, these are all some of the comments. That's just, it's crazy. So then, Sunday, Rob Manfred speaks. This is an ESPN article, and baseball commissioner Rob Manfred defended his punishment of the Houston Astros. And said Major League Baseball would institute new rules to police the use of technology before the 2020 season. In a wide-ranging interview with ESPN's Carl Ravage, Manfred explained why he didn't punish any Astros player for their roles in the scandal. Illegal use of technology to decipher their opponent's signs and relay them to Houston batters in real time. I understand people's desire to have the players pay a price for what went on here. I think if you watch the players, watch their faces when they have to deal with this issue publicly, they paid a price. To think they're just skipping down the road into spring training happy, that's just a mischaracterization of where we are. Having said that, their desire, the desire to have actual discipline imposed on them, I understand it. In a perfect world, it would have happened. The most important goal of getting the facts and getting them out for people to know it. They're not out. They aren't all out. People don't know them. How are you? I mean, really? This is the baseball commissioner now. So they didn't get punished, but you know the fact that everybody knows they cheated is punishment enough. What? They got their bonuses. They got a World Series ring. They all got. Uh, they got a World Series trophy. And they're going to be going down in the record books forever as World Series winners. They got. So because we're all talking about them as cheaters, that's worse. Are you kidding me? The problem with with stuff like this now. Is what it does is it sets a terrible precedent moving forward. Like, why would you not just cheat if this is only, if this is all that's going to happen? You end up having to fire your coach. You end up having to fire your your GM or whatever. But you don't lose the money. You don't lose the rings. You don't lose no, none of the players get suspended. It there's literally no reason moving forward to not cheat if this is all that's going to happen. Lose a couple draft picks, five million bucks. Oh my! You win a World Series. That's nothing. That's nothing to any of them. MLB announced its discipline of the Astros last month, suspending general manager Jeff Leno and uh, manager A.J. Hinch for the entire 2020 season while stripping the organization of four draft picks and levying a $5 million fine. None of Houston's players were suspended or fined. Manfred has announced that MLB has no plans to strip the Astros for their 2017 World Series title. In the context of my original, this is a Manfred quote, in the context of my original decision, something that we talked about and analyzed extensively, big topic of conversation between me and my senior staff, it's never happened in baseball. I'm a believer in the idea that precedent happens, and when you deviate from that, you have a very good reason. The report gave people a transparent account of what's went on. What pe- We put people in position to make their own judgment about the behavior that went on. That certainly has happened over the last month. The idea of an ask or asking for a piece of metal back seems like a futile act. People will always know something was different about this 2017 season. Whether we made that decision right or wrong, we undertook a thorough investigation and had the intestinal fortitude to share the results of that investigation, even when those results were not very pretty. No, you didn't. We don't know everything. We're finding more and more things out by other, by the, from The Athletic, from The Wall Street Journal, from all of these different places that you didn't tell us. This is literally wrong and false. Manfred told Carl Ravage that any discipline the players would have resulted in grievances from the Major League 
Baseball Players Association. We knew if we had disciplined the players in all likelihood, we were going to have grievances and grievances that we're going to lose on the basis that we never properly informed them of the rules. I understand the reaction. The players, some of them in the more artic- have, have, uh, some of them in more articulate ways than others, have said, admitted they did the wrong thing. I understand that people want to see them punished for that. In a perfect world, they would have been punished. He believes that Luno and Hinch were obligated to inform them of a memo that to enforce MLB's rules, which they apparently didn't. Get out of here. So everything was set up to kind of pin on these two guys. They're out of it. The owner did nothing. The players did nothing. The other people who created the uh, algorithm, they did nothing. It was just those two guys and Cor- and Cora and Bell. Like there was like four people only. They did everything. They're all gone. Everybody else that had nothing to do with it. Manfred also said he understands the sports reaction to the scandal, especially after the Astros' ill-received news conference Thursday when Jim Crane made several compact, uh, comments that stoked the ire of players and officials from other teams. I think the owner has the ultimate responsibility for what goes on in his franchise, Manfred said. So, players around the league are not happy with the Astros, leading to speculation that pitchers on other teams will retaliate against Houston. Okay, before we get on to the next part, the quote, I think the owner has the ultimate responsibility for what goes on in this franchise, so why not make him forced to sell this team? Between some of the things that have happened earlier on in the year with the reporter, um, you know, it just seems like there's not like a lack of institutional control. You hear this owner talk. Do you think he sounds like a very... He's obviously made a lot of money, but do you think he sounds like uh, someone in this kind of day and age or in the climate for them right now after what they've dealt with should be leading this team moving forward? He doesn't sound very honest or very um, you know, forthright. So getting to the part about the Astros perhaps getting retaliated against by other pitchers. Manfred says that they have been working for some time on a memorandum about intentionally throwing at batters. It's really dangerous. It was completely independent from the Astros investigation. They're going to be issuing a memorandum on hit-by-pitches, which will increase the disciplinary ramifications of that type of behavior. Not appropriate to express frustration you have growing out of the Astros situation by putting someone physically at risk by throwing at them. Simply not expectable. Sure, I understand. You know, it's a safety thing. You don't want someone to get hit in the head and stuff. But what's crazy is they're already they're threatening suspensions to players for throwing or retaliating against players who never got suspended. So if you, I saw a couple of people, and I think I'll mention the tweet in a minute. I can't remember who it was. Say any player that gets suspended will get suspended for more games than any of the Astros did. The Red Sox fired manager Alex Cora for his part in the Astros scandal when he was bench coach in Houston. MLB is also investigating the Red Sox for allegedly stealing signs during the 2018 championship when Cora was manager. No question we'll have a new policy before the 2020 season. Manfred said, I don't deny video can help you perform if you have access to it during the game, but a golfer can't come off the sixth. Take a look at his swing. We're going to have to live with less access to live video and around the in and around the dugout and in the clubhouse. I mean, that was the commissioner who was saying those things. The commissioner of baseball. 
Now we get to Justin Turner, who, if you know Justin Turner, he is is very um, baseball in the sense that he doesn't say much, right? He's a he's a pretty happy guy, pretty fun guy for the most part, but he takes the game pretty seriously. He works really hard, and he just you know he's not the type that's going to call another person out, and he just destroys. Rob Manfred's comments He said he wanted to keep quiet He didn't want to say a whole lot And he wanted just to kind of move forward to 2020 Until he heard Rob Rob Manfred's Comments Turner had a conversation with The Athletic And this is from Andy McCullough And he Talked about his frustration with Manfred's Comments He suggested the Astros should be stripped of their title Manfred described uh, Manfred described the commissioner's trophy The statue awarded to each season's champion As a piece of metal Turner was furious at the characterization Of the sport's ultimate prize The only thing devaluing it right now Is the fact that it says commissioner on it It's just unbelievable, Turner said Is he that out of touch with our game That those are his comments Does he not know what we put into these seasons Does he not know how much work We dedicate to winning that piece of metal Does he not know what it means to fan bases in the cities? Does he not know what it means to little kids in that city trying to inspire those kids to want to be baseball players? Clearly he doesn't. He talks about it. He says, oh yeah, we want to get the youth involved. We want to inspire the youth. But now you're essentially condoning those guys for cheating and saying there's no precedent. There's no precedent because no one's ever done it before. He just had a soft precedent for how to handle the situation. Turner believed the lack of punishment for the Astros players created an avenue for further Malfeasance Manfred fined Houston Doc draft picks and suspended both general manager Jeff Lono and AJ and manager AJ Hinch No players were suspended or fined He said a weak precedent Turner said So now anyone who goes forward and cheats to win a World Series They can live with themselves knowing Oh it's okay It's just going to be Hey we'll cheat to win the World Series We'll bring the title back to LA Screw Dave Roberts Screw Andrew It's just those guys losing their job I still get to be called the champion We understand how difficult it is to win a World Series Turner said It's hard, it's really hard It's something that you have to earn And obviously as the report showed As all these guys from their club over there Are coming back and apologizing And trying to make amends for it It's pretty evident to me that it wasn't earned And it's not something where a banner should be hung in their stadium Or a trophy should be put up where their trophies go They shouldn't have rings, sorry A World Series championship is earned It defines people's careers That's a guy who doesn't say things, right? He has a few more things to say on Manfred warning opposing teams not to retaliate by hitting Astros players. I find it ironic. He talked about how dangerous it was to throw at a hitter. Do you realize how dangerous it is for a pitcher to be pitching in a game when the hitter knows every pitch that's coming? There's a reason why we go out to the field today and we take live batting practice when there's a screen in front of our pitchers. Because guys know what's coming. So you want to talk about danger, that's dangerous. Turner Everybody keeps saying the facts, the facts You don't know the facts I don't think anybody knows the facts Everyone just wants to hear all the facts And I think the commissioner didn't do a good job of revealing all the facts to us I think there's some stuff out there That we maybe don't know On Carlos Correa Defending Jose Altuve I think when you talk about Carlos's response To try to defend what they did in any shape or form Is just unbelievable Regardless of who did it or didn't do it They lost the right to try to defend people Whether Atuve was getting pitches or not He still benefited from it From guys in front of him being on base From guys behind him driving in and in Winning games The whole team benefited 
He's spot on. Okay, so maybe you're out there and you're a fan and you're, you know, looking at this and saying, hey, um, you know, you're just bitter. You're a Dodger. You lost to the Astros. Okay, so how about Mike Trout, who says he and others lost respect for Astros players and doesn't agree with them not receiving punishment? Says me going up to the plate knowing what's coming in would be pretty fun up there. That's Mike Trout. Have you ever heard Mike Trout say anything? This is not a guy who's out there talking all the time. Mike Trout doesn't say anything, and now he's he's speaking. I saw a tweet that was from Bleacher Report. I saw a tweet from Chandler Rome who said quite the crowd for the Altuve Bregman Korea first round Korea first round of batting practice. This was yesterday on Monday when they arrived. A man banged the trash can three times behind home plate before running off. Jared Tim says if a pitcher gets suspended for throwing at an Astros player, he'll be suspended for longer, uh, longer for doing that than any Astros player was suspended for cheating. Let that sink in. I mean, you go through it and uh, it's. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy what um what the response is like to this. I mean, the players across MLB that we really haven't ever heard from or haven't heard much from are are furious here, and I don't think this is going to stop. And this is going to continue to go on all throughout the season. This team is going to get booed. Um, there are going to be a lot of people that show up, and uh, I hope. I just I'm not quite sure how how long you know this will continue to go on for, but this is yeah this is gonna be bad every time they go into a new city for the first time they're gonna they're gonna really hear it. So we'll we'll continue to watch this story as uh, as more and more news breaks uh, through it. Um, but we're getting close to baseball, so next week we're gonna actually talk some the baseball stuff. We'll preview some teams moving forward. We'll talk about some of the off season moves. And we'll kind of look at some rosters, and we'll start going through, uh, you know, the divisions. I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to do it. If we're going to do maybe, you know, National League once, and then American League uh, another, or maybe we'll go division by division. It kind of just depends. But we will start with the uh, the baseball breakdowns and uh, and baseball, you know, previews for this upcoming season next week. Right now, we're going to talk to Cindy Caraba. One of the sponsors of That's What G Said podcast is Cindy Carava, full-service realtor, and I am here over in Glendora at Coldwell Banker with Cindy Carava. Cindy, how was 2019 for you? Tell us uh, a little bit about what uh, what kind of stuff you were working on. Hi, Gino. Thanks for having me. Uh, 2019 was just really great. Uh, I had a great year uh, selling homes all the way from Altadena, Arcadia, Monrovia, out to Upland and Ontario just recently. Um, the market has, has been uh, really good. Um, we're looking forward to 2020 with an increase in home prices about 5.8% this year, opposed to last year where it was a little softer. We saw uh, more like homes averaging about 3.5% in increase in value. Um, it's also looking great for buyers. Uh, the interest rates right now are going to be staying under 4%. So if you've been on the fence about thinking about buying a home, now is the time to do so with interest rates still staying low. And you offer more services than just the buying, selling, and leasing homes. Tell us about some of the other services that you offer and what a full service realtor really is. 
So you're right, Gino, besides me being uh, a full service realtor of uh, finding properties for my clients to buy or selling their homes or finding rentals for them, um, I also have a plethora of resources like uh, handyman, contractors, electricians, plumbers. Uh, I even, if like I said, if you're thinking about getting a home loan, I actually work with two great lenders that I can recommend to anybody. And you're all over the internet, social media, websites. Let us know some of the places where we can find you. I know I've seen some reviews on Yelp and on Zillow. They, everyone always has positive things to say. Everybody hears me raving about you all the time. But where can uh, everyone else find out information about you or contact? Thank you, Gino. Yeah, I am on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. Um, and uh, you can contact me on my website, which is www.cindycarava.com or my email, which is cindyc.realtor at gmail.com, or feel free to call or text me on my cell phone, which is 626-394-6400. Cindy is awesome. She's one of the kindest and most genuine people I've ever met. I promise you, you will enjoy every minute you interact with her. So thank you very much, Cindy. Uh, Appreciate all of your support from That's What She Said podcast. Thank you, Gino. Have a great day, everyone. Okay, let's do a little uh, Kentucky Derby discussion. Let's uh, recap some of the races from last week. Let's take a look at the little uh, the points standings right now and find out where everybody is moving forward. So some of the big winners from last week, we had Mr. Monomoy, who was excellent in the Risen Star, winning one of the divisions of the Risen Star. He earned 50 big points there, and he will be pointing to the Louisiana Derby or the Bluegrass next. Could be either one of them for Mr. Monomoy. He was good. He went right to the lead. He settled nicely, and he was extremely impressive. And I think he's a nice horse to continue to keep an eye on moving forward, and I thought he beat a tougher group in his division of the Risen Star than in the second division of the Risen Star, in which the speed figures have kind of um, had, you know, have played out uh, when you look at them Modernist is number two on the list He won the other division of the Risen Star And he will be heading to the Louisiana Derby next Enforceable who's number three on the list With his 33 points He's also going to be pointing to the Louisiana Derby next So your top three fin- your top three points leaders right now Could all be hooking up in the, uh, the Louisiana Derby But I got the feeling just from reading stuff That it seemed like Mr. Monomoy maybe Is going to head over to the Bluegrass Storm the Court, pointing to the San Felipe, number four on the list with 22 points. Tis the Law, he just worked recently for his next start in the Florida Derby. He's number five on the list. Silver Prospector, he's up to number six on the list now. He just won the Southwest. He was... He was impressive, he got a great trip It was a really good ride By Santana, uh, Ricardo Santana Jr Who was able to just Keep him out of trouble On the inside, it's so tough sometimes When you you have that inside trip To not get shuffled back And then you know lose momentum and then have to angle around He was able to sit there nicely He seemed pretty athletic The horse in that I think you can kind of maneuver him around a little bit I like the fact that he he cut the corner pretty well um, And he was able to kind of shoot through a hole when he needed to I, I loved how he saved ground And then he angled out and around I thought it was a really nice effort from Silver Prospector To me, of the horses of, of um, you know of the weekend and of Monday he I might have been most impressed with him moving forward Just because he has a, the type of running style I think with the way he sat there that could be beneficial 
in a race like the Derby, we know he's already run well at Churchill Downs, and he might be the type of horse who can get in front of some of the deep closers and sit that trip where you're not too far out of it. So he, to me, is is one to keep an eye on moving forward. I do. I, I really don't have any knocks on Mr. Monmoy either, who, who was good and, and modernist. I just need to see a little bit more from him, who who kind of jumped up and, and won. And that was a good call by Michael Gagliano, who he gave us a you know a couple winners in a row there with Mr. Monmoy and modernist, and he also gave us uh, he was all over finite um, right before that. Number seven on the list is Thousand Words. Who will be pointing to the San Felipe He has 20 current points Number 8 is Major Fed Who will be pointing to the Louisiana Derby He was second behind Modernist in the Risen Star It looked like he was going to run right by But uh, Modernist was was strong late I thought this was a good effort for Major Fed Continuing to move forward He's the type of horse who With another good effort or two I would use underneath in big races because I like his running style I like how he's continuing to progress right now I think you could say the same for the Nine Silver State Who the race shape just was kind of up against him When Mr. Monomoy was able to get out front And they they really weren't going all that fast um, it, it wasn't really beneficial for Silver State Who came closing, picked up a few more points He's number 9 right now, currently with 14 points Number 10 is Independence Hall They have not really decided on, on Their next plans yet Kept looking around Independence Hall Who was in the Sam F. Davis Who was the runner up And who had that you know, great trip It looked like he, he, he was close to a quick pace But he was sitting behind a couple That were really battling And some people are kind of cold on him Off of that effort We'll see where he shows up next Shotsky is pointing to the Gotham Shotsky is number 11 on the points list With 14 total points Azul Coast Who just won up at Golden Gate Azul Coast has 14 points For Baffert and he will be Pointing to the Sunland Derby Shoplifted Who just ran Picked up uh, a point for His 4th place effort in the Southwest Shoplifted with 13 total points is number 13 on the list And you we'll see if, if Asmussen splits them up if, Or if he, if he kind of stays the course there In Arkansas And moves forward to the Rebel A new door Number 14 on the list with 12 total points He just didn't He, he didn't run well on the Risen Star He threw in a clunker And they've looked at him Blaine Wright has looked at him They've said everything is good moving forward And they will likely be pointing to the Santa Anita Derby Maxfield, we'll see if he's going to be able to get back in time He's number 15 on the list with 10 total points 8 rings He just threw in a work And maybe the rebel for him As Baffert has to try to split horses up now And I know it has been reported that Nadal is going to be going to the rebel also Sol Volante is number 17 on the list with 10 total points Sol Volante will be pointing to the Tampa Bay Derby Dennis's moment Working for the Fountain of Youth He's number 18 on the leaderboard With 10 total points Max Player will be pointing to the Wood He has 10 total points He's number 19 Gold Street rounds out the top 20 He is number 20 with 10 total points Gold Street did not run well And I don't know if he's the type of horse Who's going to even be in the Derby conversations Moving forward He won the Smarty Jones And he's he has good speed 
he was just able to really take advantage of a, a speed favoring racetrack that day and a field that didn't have a ton of speed. And when he didn't break well today and he kind of was in the middle of the race and got shuffled around, I just don't know if he's the type of horse who's going to be able to come from off the pace. So he might be one that ends up cutting back, maybe more of a miler or a sprinter. We'll see. Authentic is right now uh, number 21, New York traffic number 22. So they're on the outside looking in and we'll we'll start to find out plans for um for more of of the fringe players in in the next few days kind of about as they all start to finalize you know where they're going to be heading for their next prep so we'll kind of check in each week see who's moving up and down the the points list kind of talk about horses who we who we like there was a a Baffert who Debuted over the weekend named Charlatan A first time starter who earned 105 Buyer who just looked Unbelievable winning This is a horse who won I think David Araguna who uh, Does uh, the time form US pace cast with Craig Milkowski Was mentioning that He was like to the exact amount of days before um, Leading up to the Derby that Justify debuted For Baffert And you know, we'll see. I mean, he he looked like a monster, and Baffert has just an unbelievable stack right now with you know thousand words. We just saw Azul Coast, Nadal, and Charlatan, and they're all going to start to split up now. To um, don't forget about Authentic. So this is. Just going to be a really strong year for uh, for Mr. Baffert, as most of them are with the three-year-olds. Uh, Chance it is pointing to the Fountain of Youth, and there are no real big preps coming up this weekend. Let's see. So the next kind of the the prep schedule moving forward in the next few weeks, we are. Up to February the 29th is the, uh, there's a couple, you know, there's one at Tokyo and then there's one at Dundalk, but Gulfstream Park on the 29th, that's when we get to the Fountain of Youth. And then in March 7th, we have the Gotham, we have the Tampa Bay Derby, we have the San Felipe, and then on the, the 14th of March, we have the Jeff Ruby and the Rebel. And then next week is the Louisiana Derby and the Sunland Derby, then the UAE Derby, Florida Derby, Wood Memorial. Once we get into April, the Bluegrass, Santa Anita Derby, Lexington, and Arkansas Derby rounding them out. So, yeah, we're getting into the meat of the uh, the prep season now. We're into the 50-pointers. The Southwest was the final of the 10-point races now. So... Fountain of Youth will be 50, Gotham 50, Tampa Bay Derby 50, San Felipe 50, the Jeff Ruby is 20, um, but the Rebel 50, so this next round we're going to be big, big points and we're seeing a lot of movement up and down this uh, this list, and just got to give a shout out to Finite who, you know, she's a, a three-year-old filly who won the Rachel Alexandra, she beat British Idiom, the undefeated Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies winner and uh, the two-year-old champ. And Finite's one of those that I always kind of knock and try to beat. Um, and she just keeps beating you. And I, and um, she's she's 
honest. She tries really hard. She's improving. She's maturing. This was a much better race, though, than she's ever had to run before, and she was able to step up and get the job done. So, just got to give her a shout out. And I shout her out and mention I'll, I'll probably be playing against her next time, depending on where she shows up, because she's usually a short price, and I, I'm usually looking on the win end to try to find someone a a little meatier of a price. So. Ready for some handicapping? Let's get into Wednesday, Sam Houston. So we'll shift on over, get your past performances out for February the 19th. We're going to talk some Sam Houston Wednesday. Horse racing fans and bettors of all kinds, we are very excited to be covering the races from Sam Houston Race Park here on That's What G Said on each and every episode. They're broadcasting in HD, they have bigger purses, turf racing over there, but for me, the key is that 12% low takeout on their multi-leg wagers. Doubles, pick threes, pick fours, pick fives. They are building a great program over there. It truly is major league racing. We have to give a big applause to the TTA, the Texas Thoroughbred Association. They've added new incentives and bonus programs for buying and selling horses so it's better for the customers and it's better for the horsemen in Texas. Their social media presence has been bumped up. You can follow them at SHRP Racing on Twitter and you're going to find morning training videos the Monday Minute jockey interviews or if you're not on Twitter you can find all the information at SHRP.com They're just working so hard to treat their horsemen and women and the betters right so let's give them a little bit of our focus a couple big days coming up February the 22nd is Texas Preview Day, and the big day, March the 21st, that is Texas Champions Day. We'll be covering all of that action here on That's What G Said with all sorts of different interviews focusing in on Sam Houston. Make sure when you go to play the races, give Sam Houston a look with that ultra-low 12% takeout in the multi-leg wagers. Okay, Sam Houston, Wednesday, February the 19th. Let's get things started with race number one. And they're going to be made in 7,500. They're going to be going seven furlongs in here. I I didn't think there was a whole ton of speed. And that's why I'm going to go to the outside. And you know I'm going to do it. Did you ever want it, want it, want it? Did you want it, man? Big little lie the seven okay let's key off the december 7th race when a a really solid runner-up showed speed that day went 22 flat and she's drawn to the outside last time out hooks a slop a sloppy field put a line right through that race so she had shown improvement and had shown a little bit more speed and then she hit, hits a sloppy track last time out. So I think you can excuse that effort. And who in here is like really, are you really concerned about? Who in here do you think is even faster? I'm going with the seven in here with a chance to seal this race. I think the five airline driver, I liked her a lot last time out. She got hooked four wide into the turn and then she got hooked three deep. Um, it was her first try going long. So now she turns back a little bit. You can make a case for her. The one boo-woo baby, I thought, turning back, second off the bench. Those are the ones that I want to use in here. You know, Lucky Queen on the big drop-in class would would be obvious, but worth taking a shot against in here. And I don't know how quick she is early. Let's go to Big Little Lie on top. We'll make a win wager if we can anything around, you know, half, like 5-1 to one or so. And we'll put the 7 on top of the 5 and the 1 there in race number 1. 
and then we'll move to race number two, which begins the the early pick four. We'll play a pick four in the second race. Let's go to the seven preferred prospect who's going to go back to the grass. Second time now for Asmussen. Second start off the bench. So making their second start of twenty nine or twenty twenty after not having raced between August and February eighth. I'm I'm thinking he takes a good step forward in here. He got the the prep, the six furlong race out of the out of the way just to get a little extra fitness. Now he's going to be ready to rock and ready to take a, a a nice big step forward in here. The two Goliath Ridge, he's back in with Texas Breds and. He's been com- uh, competitive. Like, look at that August twenty seventh race, going long on the grass um, against Open Company. There's a repeat of that would win this race. And you know, even last time out when he was third, he was beaten by a winner who won by ten, and that was an Open Company. Now he's going to go third, start off the bench. He could be set for his absolute best. Let's use the two Goliath Ridge in all exotics, and then. On one ticket, I will include the six silver and aces as kind of a wild card first time gelding who's going to stretch out, who's going to try the grass, who's going to make third start off the bench. This one could be flashing some speed and, and might have the type of speed that's you know quick enough to to clear the field in here. So we'll use uh, the six horse on some tickets also. Seven two six in race number two at Sam Houston. Let's move on to race number three. And we'll go to the three skips song. This mare, or the three skips song, is the one to beat. I'm gonna have the the three in in second in here. She she only even fits in in this spot because she was DQ'd from the purse money on September the 28th. Otherwise, she wouldn't fit on these non-winners of two since um, August the 19th. She's gonna be really really tough in here. So I, I don't I'm not trying to play against her. I'm going to use the seven with her. And I think that's uh, the, the seven song, Songs Blue, who is going to go second off the bench. Her last two times she was at the main track, they were both victories. She's tried the grass a bunch uh, since then. I think she's sitting on a big one. Getting a little class relief in here. That's the number seven, Song Sung Blue. Then we're going to use with the three, Skip Song, the five, Sundance Seven, and the six, Real de Yap, the Halpa. Depending on how deep you want to go, those are the next two horses I would include. To me, they kind of look similar. Um, the, the six might have a little bit, might be able to get into the race a little bit earlier, but they both should come running and pick up some pieces. And I could, you know, I'm going to use them on one ticket where I go a little deeper with the, you know, three, five, six, and seven. But I'm going to have it seven, three, five, six in here, race number three. Fourth race, Sam Houston, Maiden's 50s, going a mile on the turf course. I'll start with the nine Sedona Sunset, who he middle moved up into contention on the inside. He got to within a length before fading. That was the first start in a couple months. That was the uh, the first time going on the grass. I think now you drop in class from maiden special weight to maiden fifty with improvement likely. You're you're facing a softer group in here. Plenty to like about the nine Sedona Sunset. We'll make a wager on this one to win if we can get around uh, you know five to one or so. I thought the eight Mula Wild really needed the last race. I'm I'm playing him off of his debut really when he I, th- I thought ran really well on the grass. That's why I played him last time out. But he just ran like a horse who really needed the race. He just never got into it. The drop in class. You put two starts together. It's the second time over the Sam Houston Turf Course. There are a cu- couple reasons to think that Mula Wild will improve in here. The number one Willie Special Cats is coming out of the race that 
Sedona Sunset comes out of Where six of these come out of That January 31st race And Willie Special Cats was good He was late onto the scene He That was his first start on the grass going long He didn't show a whole lot of speed But he has shown more speed on the dirt So I, you know it wouldn't be a surprise To see him from the inside Get a little more aggressive in here uh, And try to use some of that speed I think you have to use him in all of your exotics And then we'll use the four TJB Ura Who will be making uh, their first start as a gelding Should improve a ton Off of a, a kind of good educational race Where you were in the race really throughout It was a big field You end up finishing 5th of 11 It was that same race on January the 31st um, It was good uh, It was it was a fine debut race It's never easy to go long on the grass Or just to go long period First time out of the box I think he should take a lot of fitness out of that race and should run really well in here. So 9814 in race number four at Sam Houston. Race number five at Sammy H. We're gonna go with the number six little Avenger, who really just looks like the one to catch in here to me. Uh, I think he's gonna have the opportunity to clear the horse right to his outside. And uh, if he does, he's gonna be tough to run down in here. Um Little Avenger will have will make our top selection. The nine, my golden Tate's gonna go third start off the bench. He's stretching out. The distance should really fit him perfect. He's proven at six and a half furlongs, and uh, at seven furlongs, he, you know, even the seven and a half furlong race really was not bad. But this is gonna be a good spot for him. My golden Tate to come on running late off of that third place effort. The number 10 Rambling Fever Just beat Allowance Company Obvious logical contender He's going to come running So I'm not going to really exclude him From most of my exotics I have 6, 9, 10 and everything And then I will include the 3 in some spots too Who's going to be turning back Back to dirt for a third start Off the short break Street Ruler 6, 9, 10, 3 In race number 5 So I'll give you the uh, early pick 4's uh, at the end, I'll just kind of give you all the wagers uh, together at the end. Sixth race. These are optional claim, optional 30, non first level allowance to go on a mile on the turf course. The 10 Gray Hope is just a turf machine. You can put a line through the last effort because. It was not on the grass This is an animal who's just plain and simple Much better on the grass And I'm going to include in all the exotics Getting back onto the green The number 8 Sonic Boom Speed must use Uh, To me this is the one to beat I'm okay with taking a shot against Firewater Jake Who I think might need one And might need one in a race Where there's other speed So you know unless he gets that trip Where he can just sit right behind Sonic Boom I don't know if the race shapes up for Firewater Jake all that well. So I'm 10 Gray Hope, 8 Sonic Boom, the 4 Voodoo Doc, first time gelding, who's coming out of that same Sonic Boom race. And if Sonic Boom isn't able to take this field gate to wire or, you know, sit a really nice trip early on, I think Voodoo Doc should uh, pick up some pieces and give you a, a good run for your money. And the Deuce View Magic will be including in here as your. Beaten favor. This horse tried the Oklahoma Derby a couple starts back. If you put a line through that, the most recent try at Remington really was not bad when the heavy favor, but just got kind of got caught up inside battling. He can sit a little bit. 
And that'll be key in here What kind of triple they work out If he tries to work out, you know, go to the front Or tries to get caught up in the pace early on Because he's drawn towards the inside Then it's not going to bode well for him in here If he can work out a nice trip, save some ground He could get a jump on some of the deep closers And hang around for a, a slice and some exotics So 10, 8, 4, 2 The order for me in race number 6 Race number seven, we'll just use a two in here The two alternate time and the seven long weekend Long weekend's the obvious one to beat Should be your heavy favorite in here This is outside speed They took a shot against grade two company Off of that monster debut win at Churchill He's very fast But he hasn't raced since August He may need a start And if he does There's a horse named alternate time Who's coming off a little bit of a freshening He has not raced but it's only been a couple months He last raced on December the 15th And what I like about alternate time is I think he has enough speed in here To where he's not going to get completely Outrun by long weekend I'm hoping As far as you know being able to contend At this race but he's shown that he can Press and he can pass horses late And he's cutting back from a mile So if long weekend gets a little bit short Let's say you know Somebody else in here presses him Or he doesn't get a a trip where he's able to completely clear the field Then alternate time should be the horse Who's You know, able to be sitting close enough And have a a little bit of bottom Because even though he hasn't raced in a couple months He's still coming out of a, a mile race And he's one going six and a half No, he was behind shoplifted last time out And answer in And they both came back and and just ran in the southwest I mean that was a much much tougher spot So alternate time We'll give the slight nod to over long weekend But we'll use those two In the late pick 5 And if you're playing late pick 4s That's how we'll start with the, the 2 and the 7 These are 8th race 5,000 uh, claimers 4 year olds which have not won a race since August 19th Or which have never won 4 mile in the 16th the nine horse is where we will begin Unbroken Song I'm okay with singling the nine If you want to If you want to go too deep in here The only other one I'll use is the seven Touch him up Let's talk Unbroken Song He is coming off a runner-up effort In a, a similar type spot You know, where he defeated King Tommy Who's your, your favorite King, King Tommy I'm not sure I'm not sure who's going to end up going favorite in here I wouldn't be shocked if it is actually Unbroken Song King Tommy is over his last 13 And he's been the beaten favorite three times Unbroken Song Was your runner up And then you know look at that two back race Where he's behind Archie and Isa Daddy That's a, a much much tougher group In the February race He broke well from the outside And Unbroken Song was hooked four deep Going into the turn He was just a couple lengths off But he worked his way up to fourth He was two deep Then he was three deep He was in between horses He made an early move up to take the lead Before the top of the lane He battled on really well To easily hold second Over King Tolmy And I'd go right back to him again The only concern I have Is the mile and a sixteenth But you know, it looked like Unbroken Song was completely okay with I think he just got beat by a better horse Who was getting a better trip that day Now, from the outside He's probably the one to catch Maybe he sits a little bit If beat goes on, shows speed So as long as he doesn't get caught up in a duel I think Unbroken Song is going to be really, really tough in here If he does get caught up The horse that should that could come run him down Is uh, the 7 Touch Him Up who is 0 for his last 16 
But eight of those were against better. So half of them are against better. You can't really gauge. He's a late runner who you know comes and picks up pieces. So it's hard for him to be a win machine based on just his running style alone. So touch him up. You know, if if it doesn't shape up for Unbroken Song, then it could shape up very well for Touch Him Up, the seven in here. We'll we'll be okay with taking a shot against King Tommy. So let's use the nine, and then we'll use the seven. Touch Him Up. If you want to single the nine Unbroken Song, you can. I can go too deep. As far as the pick five is concerned, with the seven and the nine, but maybe uh, build some other pick fours around the unbroken song. Ninth race, we're gonna use the two is a a price play in here that I'm gonna use in all of the exotics. Let's go back to Rosie Bear. I've played this one a few times. Just look at her turf form overall. You know she's returning to the grass in here. She tried to get on the grass last time out. The race was taken off the grass. The last race she's actually been on the turf was back in November. That was against First Level Allowance Company at Churchill Downs in a really, really tough spot. The races at Arlington before that were good. She's kind of handy. She has doesn't have like a lot of gun at speed, but she has enough speed, positional speed, to put herself into a good spot and to sit a couple lengths off and to come, you know, move at a target. I think Rosie Bear is one to include in your exotics. The ten horse. Brenda's and Eiffel will be using the outside speed with the ability to sit a little bit, but I think she's going to have to go. That's why I have her a little underneath. The nine, Miss Invasive, if she takes to the grass, she might be the type who can clear the field and just run away and hide with this race. And the six horse, Railroad Rosie, who's going to go first start off the claim for Gustafson. And uh, Parker will jump aboard And this is a, a sharp filly She hasn't raced since October But she she won two in a row last we saw her So she's looking for her third And you can't really knock anything we've seen from her On the grass So um, 2-10-9-6 Is the order I have in race number 9 At Sam Houston And then we'll move to The 10th and final Maidens, Texas Breds 25,000 Five and a half furlongs, the distance. The number five, Paws Salty Pepper, is a first-time gelding who has big speed on the drop in class. And you pick up Cabrera, who, to me, I thought was a little intriguing that Cabrera jumps aboard for this barn. I think they have the speed, and on the cutback, if this one gets out front, maybe uh, go a long way in here. Dropping from you know the Texas Red Maiden Specials into Maiden 25s No doubt the one to catch Golden Heat looks like the one to beat Drawn to the outside Another one dropping in class He actually performed pretty well Against Maiden Special Weights Even the Open Maiden Special Weights at Remington Park So he Can sit right off And he's the most likely winner He'll be sitting right behind Paw Salty Pepper Unless one of these first time starter Starters break real real alertly And then the 10 is the first timer The one of the firsters that I like the most For these connections that are just really really good uh, First time out And they win a ton of races together So 5, 6, 10 In race number 10 At Sam Houston Let's go through the Wagers for today So in the second race we'll play an early pick 4 I'll have two different combinations So the first one will be something like this Starting in race number 2 Two seven with three five six seven with one four eight nine with six nine ten. That's races two, three, four, and five. 
and then the next one will be something like two six seven with three seven with one four eight nine with three six nine ten. It's a couple different versions. And then the sixth race we'll play a late pick five. And that will go two four eight ten with two seven with seven nine. You can single the nine there if you want to go a little shorter or if you you want to make this ticket a little cheaper. Uh, two six nine ten with five six ten to round things out. One more time. Two four eight ten with two seven with seven nine with two six nine ten with five six ten. If you want to single the nine in the eighth race, that's uh that's unbroken song. And that's to me probably the best bet of the day. Not from a win end, but maybe to build your exotics around. So plays throughout the day to include in the first race, the number seven, we'll put a few bucks to win on Big Little Lie. Second race, the number seven, preferred prospect. The fourth race, the number nine, Sedona Sunset. The eighth race, the number nine, Unbroken Song. And the ninth race, the number two, Rosie Bear. So those are your plays for Sam Houston for Wednesday. Thanks, folks. We'll be back in just a couple days with another episode of That's What G Said podcast. And we'll talk uh, on the next episode some boxing, some NBA, some college basketball we'll preview some horse racing stuff for the weekend we'll talk some sam houston friday and some sam houston saturday another action-packed episode don't forget if you get the opportunity um go over to youtube soundcloud itunes spotify google podcast tune in anywhere that you're listening to a podcast or anywhere you have an account if you can just click subscribe for me uh that would be awesome help build up our uh, our numbers And if you are a fan of wrestling like I am, make sure to check out the show. It is a thank you to Buggy Nova, and it is at American Legion Post 335. It is on February the 20th. It is over in Southgate, California. Doors open at 7.30. Bell time is 8 o'clock. Buggy Nova and Christina Von Aerie versus the Rock Nest Monsters. Filthy Tom Lawler versus Jeff Cobb. Katarina in action, Heather Monroe versus Gino Medina. Oh, Gino Medina. Love that. But this is a, a show that's run by a friend of mine, Alan Dinkinson, Dink. And I've done some ring announcing for them, and they're always a lot of fun. They're a blast. Going to live events, especially wrestling shows, they're, they're so much more fun than, and I love watching them on TV, but they're so much fun to go to when the crowd's into it, everybody around's having a good time chance um, and when you go to a smaller show like this they're just as talented and these are like a step away from the people that end up making it to the WWE next or you know AEW or the other big wrestling shows they're just as talented they're just um, you know not working for as huge of a company quite yet for whatever reason maybe they're young up and coming maybe they're you know in between um, or they're 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 more of they choose to Enjoy the uh, you know the more flexible schedule, whatever it is. So it, that's what's great about going to see the like a lot of your local wrestling shows. You can still see some of the most talented wrestlers in the world at the local shows. So go check this one out. And if you follow me on Twitter, it is quintessential pro wrestling. I just tweeted out their uh, their link. So yeah, again, you can uh, you can get tickets. It's an 8 p.m. start on February 20th. You can uh, find out any information that you need there on uh, on Twitter, or you can follow them at QPRO Wrestling. Thanks a lot, folks, for tuning in again. Let's get it on over to Joey to close us out.